When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome back, Tiger fans, to Rockin' Nation's football podcast. I'm Nate Edwards. That's Brandon BK Kylie, and this is Before the Box Score. Happy holidays. Getting close to Hanukkah, getting close, close to Kwanzaa, close to Christmas, all that sort of stuff. And we're getting close to the bowl season, where your Tigers will be playing Wake Forest and the Gasparilla Bowl in Tampa, Florida. Those practices are going on right now. Not a whole lot to report so far, but there is a lot to report on the -the off-the-field stuff. Roster management, coach movement, a lot of stuff to talk about. BK, how are you doing, man? Well, Nate, uh, it seemed like the roster flexibility for Mizzou might not be what we thought it was in like a good way. <laughs> they they might not be mo- losing as many players as we once expected, but they did lose somebody in the coaching staff that we were not expecting. So it's been an interesting offseason already, to say the least. Yeah. So let, let's let's talk about it. It's the most recent piece of information that we've had since uh, like right before we hit record. Bush Hamden, the quarterback's coach for Missouri and the play caller for the offense for the past three games of the 2022 season. A lot of people thought that he might be getting a pay bump to become Missouri's offensive coordinator, basically calling the plays on game day since that's what he was doing. Well, Bush decided to go back to his alma mater. He took a job at Boise state uh, quarterbacks coach, basically making the same amount of money, but getting to go back home to the blue field, the Smurf turf in Boise. So Missouri is down a quarterbacks coach. Bush was making about $400,000 on his contract per year. And of course, Missouri's got an outstanding $1.2 million sitting there from the expanded assistant pool that, uh, that the staff received when Drinkwitz got his extension and his raise. 
last month. So Missouri's sitting on, let's call it $1.6 million, and they have a coaching spot to fill. BK, first things first, the loss of Bush Hamden. What does that mean to you? So this is where things get really tough, right? Because on the outside looking in, we just don't know who does what within the staff. It's really hard to know specific roles within the staff. We do know that he was a guy that was trusted, clearly. Otherwise, he wouldn't have been given play calling duties at the end of last season. He's the guy that worked with the quarterbacks. I think that I know that a lot of people are getting their jokes off today about how Missouri's quarterbacks weren't very good. And so, hey, what's the loss here? Credit where it's due. Like, I thought Brady Cook got better throughout the course of this season, and he was the one that was working with him. So uh, maybe he deserves a little bit of credit for that. Maybe you give the credit to the player. Maybe you give the credit to Eli Drinkwitz, who I'm sure is hands-on with the quarterback position. Whoever you want to credit, I think some of that deserves to go to Bush Hamden. So it, it is definitely a loss. I don't think that Missouri thought they were going to lose Bush Hamden this offseason. That being said, like, can you then go out and utilize this money, utilize the position that is now open with the quarterbacks to maybe go get a coach that you didn't think you were going to be able to attain? You got like $1.6 million to spend on a quarterbacks coach slash OC. That's a super desirable position, man. In the in the SEC, the potential to like, we'll see what happens this offseason, but maybe bring in a new quarterback or work with a guy that at the end of last year, you know, showed it showed some real promise. You've got Luther Burden. You've got a new wide receiver that's coming in via transfer portal. You maybe could bring in some more pieces in the portal. There's some real reasons for optimism if you're a coach that wants to come here. And oh, by the way, there's that green, that that shiny, shiny money that's going to be coming your way when it comes to more than a million dollars. You could be one of the higher paid OCs in the region and maybe in the country. So. I think they can attract a good candidate here. And now it just becomes a question of what are they looking for? Like what, what does this role look like at Mizzou? Is it simply you're going to be the play caller? Are you going to be able to game plan? What exactly does Eli Drinkwitz want the new offensive coordinator to be? I think that's going to influence who they are able to get. Oh yeah. that That's the $1.6 million question is the roles and responsibilities. Um, title obviously is part of that too, but you can bring in anybody at under in any title if they're just stuck calling plays out of someone else's book and basically kind of you know twiddling their thumbs and waiting for Eli to get done scripting everything out and and assigning you know who goes what and how the you know the breaking down all the film. Like if they if they are kind of sitting on the sideline, yeah, maybe you can get a guy who would be okay with that, but there's the coaching profession is a very competitive profession, and I'm not saying that Eli Drinkwitz is dumb and he would, you know, he would just micromanage the hell out of this guy, but he does seem to have a propensity to do it his way and run his stuff, and he trusts people who knows his book or basically the the bones of it. So that limits your pool of people, and that limits you know the type of person who you're going to hire, and we don't really have those answers. We can only guess. But, you know, just because someone comes in for over a million dollars doesn't mean they're good. Case in point, Derek Dooley. He was making over a million dollars. He wasn't any good. So it's it's less about, you know, are they worth the money and more of what are they going to do to earn the money? And 
like you said, we don't know exactly how this is going to shake out. In my mind's eye, I don't think Eli brings in somebody to overhaul the offense. He's going to bring in someone to run his stuff and take away the play calling responsibilities on game day. And maybe some of the practice stuff too. I don't know. But let Eli be that CEO that we've talked about. He is better as a CEO. He should free himself up to do that. I would hope that this guy that they add can do that can take those responsibilities off his plate can be the tactician on game day manage the offense so Eli can manage the team I don't know who that's going to be we have seen in the past that Eli has a preference for a certain type of individual someone who he is knows very well and who knows his stuff very well but we don't know who that can possibly be Bush Hamden is kind of an outsider he was a west coast guy He'd been at Boise for a long time. That's when he and Eli met, when when Eli was out there for a couple of years. So they knew each other through that. But Bush has always been a Boise guy through and through. He wasn't really kind of like a, a Drinkwitz guy. So he goes back to the West Coast. Do you bring in somebody who's a really good recruiter? Do you bring in somebody who is a really good play caller for whatever that means? Do you bring someone in who can maybe was a former head coach and can like run practice really well. Like what, what is he looking for and what does that cost? I don't know, but there is a lot of money to play with. In theory, Eli should be able to get his guy, but until we figure out exactly what that means and who that is, I'm just going to sit here and, and, and be quiet because it's, there's just too many variables for me to even start thinking about who that could be. Yeah, the other thing is just like he's shown that propensity to go out there and hire guys that he had a history with. And this is what a lot of coaches decide to do, right? They, they want guys that they can trust. And I, if he ends up going that route, we kind of know what the names are that they'll potentially be looking at. Um, we, we know Casey Woods is somebody that he's worked with in the past. Chip Lindsay is a name that that I've heard as maybe being of interest. They worked together at Auburn briefly. Um, that that being said, though, it, it may, maybe he goes outside of the family. I mean, Jacob Peeler, I, if I'm not mistaken, I, I don't think they really had any history in the past. Am I no. right on that name? Yeah, no, no history at all. And the I think the same thing is true of Marcus Johnson. I I don't recall any history of those two guys working together in the past. That that's right, isn't it, Nate? Correct. He's he was a Duke guy through and through. No no overlap with Eli. So there you go. There, there's at least two guys that you have on the uh, on the job, both of whom are prominent members of the staff. Peeler appears to be a very good recruiter, and Marcus Johnson is a guy that like he's been elevated at all costs. Like they they have tried really hard to keep retain him within the staff. So it, it could go either direction. There's just a lot less evidence of Drinkwitz going outside of the family, specifically on the offensive side of his staff than there is staying within it. So I would put my money on somebody that he's worked with previously. If I had to take like Chip Lindsay or um, Casey Woods versus the field, I would feel pretty good that my side is a greater than 50% chance. That's just speculation, but that would be my guess here. Yeah. And you know, how does that make you feel? If that ends up being the case, how would you feel about that? It's, I don't know. It doesn't wow me, but I don't need to be wowed. I need it to work. Sure. And if, if Drinkwitz thinks it's going to work, then, you know, I'll give him that shot. I know Casey Woods is a very popular name with the Missouri fans right now, not only because he used to be on staff for one of the, you know, with, with the tight ends and was a great recruiter, but like 
the offense he's running right now at SMU puts up a ton of points and that's a lot of fun and fans love points. I love points. I want to see that too. But like we've talked about before on this show, if Casey Woods were to come back, he would not be running the Rhett Lashley offense. He would be running the Eli Drinkwitz offense. So it does not mean that, you know, all of a sudden we're going to be this up-tempo kind of fun and gun, spread them out kind of offensive system. It would be Eli's system just with Casey calling the plays. So I think he could do well. I think a Jeff Grimes would do well. I think Chip Lindsey would be a very competent play caller. I'm sure he can manage that side of the, of, of the team just as well as anybody else. But it's not it's not the zing hire. It's not going to get you excited. But at the end of the day, it's just got to work. And I, I remember, you know, when Josh Henson was was hired yeah, in 2013, I guess he was promoted in 2013 from the staff. That was very much a, ah, you know, whatever. We had Dave Yost for a long time, and he kind of run his course, and Josh Henson gets the chair, and like, okay, whatever. And, you know, that ends up being one of the better offenses Missouri's ever seen. So you just you just don't know. Uh, so I, I – I'm kind of with you. It's going to be, I feel like it's going to be someone Drinkwitz is, is comfortable with. He could very much go outside of that. I would encourage him to look outside just to see what the other options are. At the end of the day, I want him to make the the, the, the hire that's going to work best for him because I want this staff to work. So um, just, just pick somebody. <laughs> and if it takes a lot of money, then we have it. So I, I don't know who that's going to be, but uh I don't know. You think it's going to, it's probably going to be after the bowl game, right? Nothing before then. I would think so. Yeah. I, I would think sooner is better than later, especially yeah. with the transfer portal. I think guys, if they're going to go after a quarterback, I don't know if they will or won't, but if they are, you're probably going to want that play caller in as soon as you possibly can. Oh, so that way you can sell that to whoever it is that you're trying to go out there and acquire. And the, they probably know though, kind of like you said, like, this is going to be the Eli Drinkwitz offense. So they know what the offense is going to be. And this is just going to be the guy that they end up working with day to day. But yeah, that stuff's important. Like it you, is. you hear from players and they, they talk to their position coach a hell of a lot more than they talk to the head coach. That's the guy that you are in the meetings with day to day. You're spending hours upon hours every single week with this guy. Mm-hmm. And so if you're a quarterback that wants to come to Mizzou or is at least interested in coming to Mizzou, and you don't know who the guy is going to be that's in your room, which is the case right now, makes things a little difficult to just say, yeah, I'm going to take this leap of faith yeah. because I trust Eli Drinkwitz in the offense, you know? Absolutely. So yeah. I, I think they would rather have it sooner than later, but it's just such a weird time because like we said in the last podcast, everything happens in the month of December now. Yeah. So you've got National Signing Day. You've it's got next week, portal, baby. You've got the bowl games. Like <laughs> Everything is now. Everything. And they've got to also have this coaching st- search taking place at the same time. So it, it's not an easy thing to do if you're Eli Drinkwitz. That might unfortunately be something that's put on the back burner for now. Early signing day is December 21st. That is a week from today. And I don't know if you all remember but there's a shiny four-star high school quarterback who goes by the name of Jabari Johnson, who's from the West Coast out in Washington, who is expected to sign with Missouri. And his position coach and possible play caller just went back to the West Coast. Now, I'm not, this isn't any insider information. I'm not trying to stir stuff up. It's just a very natural thought process. If you are a high school player who was committed to a school 
And like you said, that guy you see the most. You see the strength the strength and conditioning coach the most, your position coach mm-hmm. the, the most after that. If that dude is gone, if he is gone, and he is your only natural tie to a school that is nowhere in your 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 your, your footprint of where you grew up or where you played, it's worth asking the question, does this change his commitment? Again, I have no idea. There is a solid chance that he is, you know, he is cashing in. He's putting all of his chips on the fact that I can play power five SEC football. I have a good chance of starting and playing there. And that's where I want to be. That that could be his motivation. But when you lose that position, coach, and the guy who's recruiting you, it's just something to think about. BK, are you worried? That? Or okay, yeah, go ahead. What do you got? Washington University just lost a commitment at quarterback to Ohio State. Yeah. Like, literally, I, I think this was yesterday. No, today. That they lost a committee, flipped from Washington to Ohio State. So, is that going to be a spot that he ends up having interest in? Like, if the homeschool ends up giving you a call, if you're Jabari Johnson, the week before signing day, and says, hey, we want you to be our next quarterback. Look what we just did with Michael Penix Jr. He was awesome. 10 and 2 this year. We were one of the best teams in the country. He ended up leading the country in passing yardage and passing yards per game. And you he's coming to lead back. that offense? He's coming back. You, yeah, you, and you, do you want to be the guy that succeeds him? Yep. Because that's your job. Yep. A year, like not next year, but the year after, that's you. You you can come in, learn for one year from a guy that has a similar skill set honestly to mm-hmm. what you do. And then you can be the home state school starting quarterback. You want to do that? Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. I don't know if they do it or not. I don't know if he would say yes or not. But man, that would have to be tempting, given the fact that your biggest connection to the University of Missouri is now gone. Just throwing that out there as a potential liability for Mizzou because the, the timing on this is all really difficult. And my hope would be, if if you're Jabari Johnson, if you're a Mizzou fan, my hope is he signs on ne- next Wednesday. And there's just no ifs, ands, or buts about it. It's done. I do wonder if you're him, if you decide, you know what, I'm going to wait. I- I'm not going to sign early. I'm going to wait until the February signing period and give yourself a little bit of time to find out, okay, what's going on at Washington? What's going on with the OC position at Mizzou? Let's see what's going on here. If I was him and I wasn't totally sold on it, that's probably what I would do. But we are not mind readers, so we don't know what his motivations are. It's just something to monitor. So we got seven days to figure out if he's going to sign on the dotted line or not. 
And truthfully, he doesn't have to then. He could drag this out as long as he wants, until February if he wants. And then guess what? There's a little thing called the transfer portal, and he can magically portal back at any given point. You just, you just you don't know. You don't know. And I hate to just introduce little, <laughs> little opportunities to stress out about things that we have no control over, but just, just pointing it out. It's a natural question to bring up when something like this happens. So let's talk about some good things. Let's talk about some good developments. And I think the biggest one, at least so far, is the fact that Eli Drinkwitz and the staff have have been recruiting super hard, re-recruiting, if you will, their current roster. And we have seen some guys enter the portal right at the bat. We had like eight going in the portal. Haven't really seen all that much. Yes, Dom Lovett. Yes, Hyron White. But one of the real big concerns, especially for this defense that was so good this year, was that there were rumors that Missouri would lose Ennis Rakestraw and Chris Abrams' train. Ennis for NIL opportunities, possible NFL, CAD for basically NFL or the same thing, possible NIL opportunities. Well, we have from the official channel, the official Mizzou Twitter handle, uh, Twitter uh, Missouri football Twitter handle, Chris Abrams' train is coming back, at least for one more year. BK, I can't tell you how <laughs> relieved I am to hear that. He was Missouri's best corner by far, and I know he was injured for a couple games, but this is a piece that you can build around, and as we've said time and time again, success on defense, particularly in the secondary, is so overwhelmingly reliant on experience. And having at least one of those guys back of the duo of Rake Straw and Abrams Drain, having at least one, possibly two back, would be such a huge boon for this defense going into 2023. That is losing some solid contributors. How do you feel about the announcement that he made today? So I used to do a, uh, a weekly hit when I was still in Columbia with the blog father himself. Um, and he used to talk a lot about the SP plus stuff and his projections, right? Bill Connolly is who I'm referencing for anybody that isn't familiar. Um, and he used to talk a lot about his projections and I would ask him, you know, what, what goes into the defensive side of the ball when you're looking at the projections for any given season? And of course there's recruiting rankings. There's a bunch of different stuff that goes into it. But as you mentioned, a lot of it, like an overwhelming amount is the experience that a team has coming back in its secondary. Because that from year to year tends to be sticky. It is something that you can rely upon. And for Mizzou, there was a real chance coming off of this season that you could lose Chris Abrams Drain, Jalen Carlisle, Joseph Charleston, Enos Rakestraw, and I think that was the oh, and Martez Manuel. That's basically every starter in your secondary that they could have lost. It's now confirmed that Chris Abrams Drain is coming back. Jalen Carlisle is expected to come back. Joseph Charleston expected to come back. We think Ennis Rakestraw is coming back, but that's the one that like is not totally clear at this point in time. And Dalen Carnell is coming back as well. And I, I think you can make an argument that this past season, he was actually better than Martez Manuel. Your secondary has a chance to be really good next year, man. I don't know what defensive end is going to look like. Defensive tackle, you've got a lot of depth there, and we'll see what happens with Darius Robinson. Tyron Hopper, we think, is going to go to the NFL, but it's not a guarantee yet. He's not officially declared just yet. I would think that he will, but who knows? If you're able to get a couple of defensive ends via the portal, 
you're able to get a linebacker in here that can replace some of what Tyron Hopper brings in or brought to you this year. His defense could be really good again next year, man. Like really, really good. Yeah. I just, I know we're talking about the corners, but like for Tyron Hopper, I kind of feel like if he's going to play in the bowl game, I feel like he's going to come back because if he's, if he's, well, I, I don't want to just drop hope and, and then get a havoc big crush. But like at the same time, so many of these guys have already declared, Hey, I'm declaring from the NFL. I'm going to you know prepare myself for the NFL draft. I'm not playing in the bowl game. We've already seen it for this team. Martez Manuel, mm-hmm. right? DJ Coleman. And those guys were not getting the kind of the, the hype that, that Tyron Hopper was getting. And we haven't heard a peep from him yet. So I, I don't know, but like, yes, whether he goes or he doesn't go, you do need defensive ends. You need a couple. I, I love the Walker boys. I'm not sure if they're ready yet, uh, but you have a lot of options at defensive tech, like you said, and a lot of good ones too. Chad Bailey is coming back. I saw there's a, a little snippet from one of the local reporters saying that Chad Bailey was leading the Tiger Jacks during practice today. That's typically an indication that you're a leader. That's awesome. He's going to be there. But it all hinges hinges on the secondary. And if you only lose Martez Manuel from this group, and Jalen Carnell is back, that's so big, like, so big. That's so. I, I, I'm not. I'm not saying this is going to be a top ten unit, but like, you are allowed to get excited for this defense if if both of these guys come back because they are that good. Absolutely, and I will give credit where it's due. I didn't think this was going to happen. Like I, I was. Not freaking out, but I was on the verge <laughs> when it came to some of the the stuff that everybody was hearing on the transfer portal. I was. I don't out. know. I'll say it. I don't know how he did it. I don't know what changed between basically the finish of the Arkansas game and where we are today. But the names that were bandied about as potential transfer transfers at that time, compared to the names that have been confirmed now. It's a very different list. And mm-hmm. this one is far better than the one that had been feared to be taking place. Now, we should also add, it's not over. It's they not. haven't played their bowl game yet. And after like Christmas, we should have a much better indication on exactly who is and who is not going to be back next year. Mm-hmm. But even if you get a few more guys in the portal, God, this is so much better than it could have been, man. Just Chris mm-hmm. Abrams drain alone announcing that he's going to be back next year. I, I don't think you can overstate how significant that retention is going to be for, for Mizzou. That, that's a big one. And to your point, last year, Chris Abrams drain played 641 snaps and his race draw played 664 at corner. Your next two guys left. Dre Norwood played 287. Marcus Clark played 49. So, there's a lot of experience with those two guys, a lot of production with those two guys. I don't know if anybody behind them is ready. You got some options in Drayden Norwood, Marcus Scott, Marcus Clark, but having them back brings back your some of your best players in the secondary and provides those younger guys another year of getting ready. So it is huge, and it is awesome to see Cad come back. I'm hoping Ennis Rakestraw does too, but you know, even if he doesn't, this is this is a huge win. So so very good there. Uh, we did have some clarifications and another transfer portal hit uh, since we've last spoken to you guys. Jack Stonehouse, uh, the punter from California, he uh, took over the job about four games into the season. 
He is going to transfer. And then we also found out that Travian Ford, the former four-star from St. Louis, he landed at Toledo with Craig Kuligowski, the one assistant coach who's not on staff that every Missouri fan knows. And uh, Hiron White is actually uh, transferred to SMU. Now, SMU is the hometown school. Uh, Hiron White is from Dallas. SMU is in Dallas. So it makes a lot of sense. Hiron White knows Casey Woods. Casey Woods, of course, as of now, still at SMU. So makes a lot of sense. But, you know, hopefully Travian does well at Toledo. Hopefully Hiron does well at SMU. It's it's tough to tell with those guys because we've never seen – I mean, we saw Travian on the field for, what, six snaps? And Hiron White missed both the 2020 season and this last year. Like, I'm I, those guys are great. I'm glad they came to this school. I hope they do well. But, like, from a, a production loss standpoint, BK, it's really tough to tell if you lost anything at all just because – they really weren't around to to produce or even be on the field. Yeah, I think that there's a lot of people that are looking at the higher and white loss and they're saying to themselves like, hey, this is a big one. M- Mizzou needed him. I would have liked Tyron White back next year. But if you're looking at some of the portal activity that Mizzou is sending out offers for, they knew this was coming or they were planning for Hyron White to not be the same player that he was previously because they're offering a lot of offensive tackles and they had been even prior to his announcement that he was going to enter the portal. So I think Mizzou was looking for an upgrade either way for somebody that is a little bit more certain because Hyron White, like you mentioned, he just hasn't played a whole lot of football over the last three years, man. He's had a lot of injury issues. So that's that one. Travian Ford, big time recruit, just hasn't worked out at Mizzou. Hope it works out elsewhere. And then Jack Stonehouse, You'd like to keep your punter, but you can't. It it is what it is. You know, like that's if they could if they had to make a trade of, hey, we lose Jack Stonehouse, we keep Chris Abrams. I know which side I'm coming out on that. one. (laughs) I mean, keep in mind, not not to downplay what Jack did. He was he was a great punter this year. But like you've got one, two, three other guys who kick the football on the roster that are walk ons coming in. Blake Craig is a is a kicker coming in. Maybe he can punt. Like you got you got options. You know, there's not a the war for punter is is not a huge dichotomy of like, well, these punters are elite and everyone else is trash. Like, you'll figure it out. I'm sure we can figure it out. So I would um, much rather have a good kicker than a good punter. As would I. And so far, it seems like we still have one, even if he did have a down year. So that is the transfer portal out. Let's talk about the transfer portal in. Now, we've only had one, but it's a doozy. There's a gentleman named Theo Weiss who played for Oklahoma for the past couple of years. Former five-star, if that does anything for you. It's from Allen, Texas, where uh, actually we have a couple of grad, uh, alum from Allen, Texas. We have Jaden Jernigan and EJ and Doma Ogar, who are also Allen High School graduates so theo weiss has a couple friends or at least some potential friends uh from his alma mater but for ej and doma ogar and theo weiss were both at high school and in college teammates and now they're also teammates at their next college as well that's wild so you lose dom lovett who is a blue chipper local blue chipper he's gone in comes a five-star high school wide receiver now at some point the high school ratings don't matter i understand that and really, you know, you're not replacing Dom with Theo. That's not really their skill sets. BK, you took a look at the film. 
I thought that he might project as a as a more high upside Towski Dove. What did, what did you see when you watched his film? Exactly that. I think that's a really important in um kind of separator there. Is he expected to replace some of the production from Love It? Yes. Is he expected to replace talking about Weiss the the actual role that Dominic Lovett played last year? I, I think the answer to that is a resounding no. So Lovett lined up primarily in the slot last season, and that's where he did a lot of his damage. Luther Burden, meanwhile, lined up almost exclusively on the outside. I think you're going to see that flip this year. I think Luther Burden is likely going to take over in the slot. And I think that fits his skill set a little better. I think you'll be able to use him more on some of those end arounds, some of the quick hitting stuff, screens, and it allows him more often than not to get a little bit of separation between him and the corner. And that's pretty simple, right? Because he's going to line up off the line of scrimmage. So there's not as much press, man. There is an actual separation of like literal space between he and the corner. A lot of the time that that slot corner is also going to be playing off coverage. So I think it's just going to help him a lot. I think we saw this with Lovett last year where he lined up more in the slot. It opened things up for him. He became a better player as a result. I think it's going to help. Um, I think it's going to help Luther Burden become a better player. So you almost get the better of two different players by bringing this guy in. And I like the fact that you called him a higher upside Toski Dove. Toski Dove last year, there's an efficiency metric called yards per route run. It is exactly what it sounds like, right? There's yards per target, there's yards per route run. So when you run a route, how many yards do you get on average, right? So if you run 100 routes over the course of the game and you end up getting 100 yards in the game, you're at one yard per route run. Well, last year, Tusky Dove was at 0.77. That is really not good. Uh, among Mizzou's wide receivers, Bannister was just about two. Luther Burden was at 1.2. Mookie Cooper was at 1.1. Lovett was at almost three. Weiss finished last year at two. So he would have been second on the team behind only Dominic Lovett. And there's a reason for that. It's because Weiss is a very like boom or bust type of a player. It's a guy who kind of like Toski Dove a, a couple of years ago. He's either going to get a big play or he's not really going to be involved in the offense. And so there's times where he kind of floats in and out of the game. But when he makes plays, man, you notice it. And a lot of it comes on those deep passes. So I think Mizzou fans are really going to like him, but don't expect too much. You hear the five star thing and you're like, oh, this guy's a superstar. No, that's it's not really who he is. He's just He's going to take the top off of your defense and he's going to fill a very specific role and one that is very important within this offense. His his best season, Theo Weiss's best season, was actually the COVID year in 2020 when he was a sophomore. Mm -hmm. 54 targets, 37 catches, 530 yards, four touchdowns. That's a 68.5% catch rate, which is pretty dang good. 14.3 yards per catch, 9.8 per target. Outside of that, though, his freshman year and then his most recent year, his redshirt junior year, because he was injured in 21, he's like a 53, 55% catch rate guy, uh, you know, somewhere around 300 yards, and, and he'll get the touchdowns. So it's it's tough to figure out exactly what he's going to do. He had two different, excuse me, had two different offensive coordinators in his time at Oklahoma, two very different philosophies. I mean, they both threw it around, but in very different ways. So I'm not sure, you know, what his, you know, how he's going to translate to this offense. A lot of this offense is block for the run, and he's certainly got the body to do that. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, Toski Dove was, was a really good run blocker. That's why he kept seeing the field. He also did not really get open all that super well. And, and like he made some great catches, but yeah, sometimes it was just kind of, it was not there. So do you know how this, many snaps Toski Dove had this year? I'll, I'll give you a little bit of context. Dominic Lovett was at 400. I want to say like 480 or 500 for Toski Dove. 636. There you go. <laughs> like Good he God. was on the field at all times. And so that is, it's why I said like, this is a very important role that you're going to see this guy step into. And by the way, just to add to your context on like what, what kind of a player Mizzou is getting. Weiss last year was 13th in college football in yards per reception. He was just mm-hmm. about at 20 so he he wins in the intermediate and deep passing game, mm-hmm. which is probably good because Mizzou doesn't really have other guys that necessarily win that way. Luther Burden yeah. is much more in the short to intermediate. Um, I think Makai Miller is going to be more in the like intermediate type of a range. Mm-hmm. And those are kind of your guys going into next year. And we, we know at this point exactly what Mookie Cooper is and what he isn't. He, he's going to be a guy that wins with kind of that manufactured touches at or around the line of scrimmage. It's very exciting. I, you know, you, I can't think, I don't think Missouri has ever had two five-star players on the team at the same time, let alone receivers. I think Darius White was a five-star in, in the 247 rankings, but not rivals. And of course, DGB was a five-star on both. I think that's the only time you get close. Um, so this is, this is a consensus five-star kid. Again, once you become a redshirt senior, which is what Theo Weiss is going to be in 2023, doesn't really matter anymore. But from an optic standpoint, kind of cool to have two former five-star receivers on the same team and your Missouri. It just, that sort of thing doesn't happen. So, uh, very cool to see that. We'll see how he plays into it and... Mookie's a four-star as well. (laughs) He's a four-star. No, absolutely. Yeah. He he was a highly rated four-star. He was the 58th ranked player in the country. So uh, your wide receiver core, if you're just looking by like recruiting prowess, is probably as strong as it's literally ever been in the history of Missouri football. At least in terms of since Rivals has been doing this stuff. Yeah. And like it's it's receiver and safety, right? We've talked about this before. Mm -hmm. Charleston, Thompson, and Carnell were all four-star guys. Uh, so there's a, there's a lot of recruiting ranks in those in those positions, which, by the way, we've talked about before. If you are, I almost said discount program. If you are a non-blue blood and you want to get recruiting wins strategically to make your team as competitive as quickly as possible, quarterback, receiver, pass rusher, secondary. That's where you want to spend your points on five stars. What affects uh, you, the passing game? Those are the, those are the position tackle. That that's another big tackle is a like, good one. Yep. If you impact, if that position has a significant impact on how well you either pass the ball or how well you prevent the other team from passing the ball, that's that's where you want to be recruiting at a really high level. Not to be un- overlooked, by the way, Joshua Manning. I, I wanted to look this up. I couldn't remember if he was a high three or a low four He's star. A four star. He is yeah. also a four star right now. So yep. you've got. Four blue chip recruits next year that will be lining up at wide receiver for Mizzou. Mm-hmm. And Pretty this well. receiver room was ba- badly needing some uh, upperclassman experience. And can I say Weiss one more is thing be here? A redshirt senior. You can say as many things as you want, BK. This is your show too. I think they, I think they need one more. 
I, I would like one more transfer wide receiver personally. Uh, do you have a specific type of receiver or just any transfer in? I think they could use one more guy that is an outside like possession player that you can okay. just count yeah. on if it's third and six can run a hitch. We'll catch the ball and we'll fall forward. Like th- those guys are not the sexiest players in the world to go out there and acquire. But I think Mizzou could use one more of those guys because as I was going through to see like, OK, what is your typical three wide receiver set? That's not hard to come up with. What does it look like if one of those guys on the outside gets hurt? It gets a little tougher. And yeah. suddenly you're looking at like, okay, what does Chance Looper look like? But he probably profiles best in the slot. Um, Makai Miller is going to already be in a significant role for a true sophomore. And if he goes down, like I, I think Joshua Manning might be the next man up. And you don't want to re- be relying that much on a true freshman on the outside. So I, I think they should probably get one more wide receiver in the portal. I'd be good with that. I'd definitely be good with that. I mean, you know, again, like you said, portal's not done. So we don't know who's going to go where or if anybody else leaves, especially from any of these positions. So, um, yeah, be very interesting to see how that goes. But welcome to Columbia, Theo. We're very glad you're going to be here. This is, this is going to be very cool. Uh, and we have early signing day next Wednesday. So we will be recording uh, our show after that. Hopefully there's no bad surprises uh hopefully only good surprises or no surprises at all that would be fine uh, but there's a just like you said december is just packed full of stuff where you are re-recruiting your roster you are losing coaches you are adding coaches you are active in the portal and oh yeah by the way you're also prepping for a bowl game that's going to happen Kinda. in the somewhat near future so you know just Apparently, this is why we throw millions of dollars at these people, because they're just constantly stressed to the max. Uh, But we will dive into the Wake Forest matchup next week. We'll have plenty of contact about Wake Forest and that bowl next week. But for now, BK, any parting shots? I don't think so, man. Uh, I can't wait to really dive into that uh, Wake Forest game with you. Going to be breaking down the film over the next week to really get us prepared. That's right. Get excited for Gasparilla. That's going to be great. Uh, Tampa. Anyway, that's the show for today. As always, we appreciate the downloads and the subscriptions. Leave a comment or rate us. We love all types of feedback from you all. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Nate Edwards. He's at BK Sports Talk. And, of course, you can follow the Rockham flagship at Rockham Nation. We appreciate you tuning in this time. We'll try to do better next time. And until then, M-I-Z. Z-O-U.